Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Greetings, everybody, from Menominee Falls, Wisconsin. Live on location from the very exciting Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> That's right. Wendy and I are at the Holiday Inn Express. We're staying over in Menominee Falls. We're at a recording studio, Cherry Pit Recording Studios, uh, working on finishing touches on our latest album. Yes. Very, very exciting stuff. And the songs that we're recording, Mike, were all written directly from topics of this podcast. That's right. So the thing is, if you guys are listening to the podcast and you hear the song at the end and you like it, let us know because we will use that and then take it into the big studio and have it professionally recorded with the producer and the whole deal. Give it the full treatment as opposed to just the demo treatment. Right. (laughs) Because the thing is, we can't take every song and into the studio every week. Although it would be fun if we could. Well, sure. The thing is, is that um, we want to make sure to give the best of those tracks. Yeah, the ones that people like the most are the Mm -hmm. ones that we want to, you know, give the full studio treatment to and then have on our album. And so we're just finishing up that that next album of songs that are based on songs we wrote for the podcast. And we've been doing this now for... Three years, yeah, three a little Whoa. over three years. Well, that's that's the fun part too, because I, I was just realizing yeah. that we're in episode one hundred and eighty-three. Goodness, we started on Halloween of two thousand and fourteen. That's right. I remember that night because we had a show at the Cladaw, yeah, in Middleton, and I was checking because I uploaded the episodes and I was checking to make sure everything, you know, to see if anybody was downloading them and if everything went correctly. And since then, uh, we've had, I mean, obviously 182 episodes. But also, if you check our Bandcamp page for the Sea and Other Side songs, yeah, we yeah. have over 100 original songs we've written. Just for this. Yes. Every episode has a original song. But the thing is, like, we've used older songs for some episodes because the right. topics fit. Yeah. Um, but we've written over 100 songs to this podcast. And wow. the best of those songs make it to the Sunspot albums. So... That's what we're doing here this weekend. We're in Menominee Falls, and we are in the recording studio and having fun, and, and we are recording the songs that you guys said that you liked the best on the podcast. So if you enjoy any of this stuff, please send us a tweet. That's the fastest <laughs> way to do it. At Other Side Talk, at Sunspot Music. You can tweet me individually. Uh, just pics of your junk, please. Oh, gosh, at you Sunspot. didn't just... <laughs> I just... I opened myself up you to did this. just... It's um, a, can, a can of worms, might you say? Yes, and I'm at Sunspot Wendy. Just send me pictures of um, birds. Yeah, or (laughs) your junk. At Sunspot Mike, that's where the junk pictures go. I will take all your Carlos Danger shots. (laughs) But just getting back to it, we don't talk about it a ton, but the fact that the music is a really huge part of this podcast, it's a thing that we spend a lot of the time on, and it is at the end of the episode that we share the song, so if you don't tough it out all the way to the end, you might miss it. It's original music. The funny part is, is that everyone's like, oh yeah, well you talk about this. So all the research we put into the interview time, uh, even the prep and things like that, that takes less time than it does in writing this. Oh, that's true. Creating something around a topic. A topic. Yeah. But for the people that aren't as familiar with our band... We have been together as a band for a really long time, Uh, approximately a thousand years, right? I would say, um, right, I have, (laughs) my hair is, I look like Gandalf the Grey right now, so if you see a picture of my, like you see this picture, you're like, oh, he's got like maybe a red beard or something like that. No, I am Gandalf the Grey. He dyes his, his beard. (laughs) <laughs> just for men. You buy the ginger beard. Just for color. men. I was going to say just for men ginger. <laughs> but what I buy. Does it, do any gingers dye their hair? Are you kidding me? The major. I mean, the majority of gingers our age. <laughs> I guess they do. Probably I'm do. just thinking about people that dye their hair. And I'm like, yeah. I was always ready. I'm, I'm ready to dye my hair. Like yeah. the first day. I'm When I go bald, oh, yeah. I'm going to get a wig. Cool. Like, what, I can't, what kind of wig? What? It's going to be different every day of the week. Oh, my gosh. That's so exciting. So that's the whole idea. So when I end up like William Shatner. Variety. Like, so William Shatner's been bald, obviously, since probably the mid-70s, if not the, like the 60s. Because if you look at his hair on TJ Hooker, it's like curly, like he had a perm. And you look at his hair in Star Trek, and it's straight. 
And you look at his hair today, and it's obviously penciled on oh. by an expert. I love William Shatner. Of we course. all love the Shat. How could you not? And, but the thing is, I mean, obviously his hair is fake. And so he embraced it early. He's like, I'm, he's like, I don't care. I'm just going to get a curly wig today. And then I'm going to have like kind of like yeah. a weird, you know, fro. Sure, variety. It's exciting. It's That's fun. That's me. Like one day I'm okay. going to be, one day I'm going to be Billy Corgan bald. Oh my god. Except gosh. maybe not as much of a cue ball head. Because once you go bald, you got to lose weight fast. Okay. Well, we seem to have gotten a bit off topic right. here, but... Getting back to the fact of, you know, our band having been together for a really long time, we've mm-hmm. written lots and lots of songs, and we've covered lots and lots of ground and lots of different topics. Oh, yeah. But this podcast has been wonderful because there's so many unique topics that have been here to inspire us to write songs. Yeah. Con- and, I mean, constantly. It's like every yeah. week that is like our burden and there are things and that, our blessing. Yeah. There are things that, you know, you wouldn't just sit and be like, oh, I'm going to write a song about... The Salem Witch Drive. <laughs> But no, today you are. Yeah. And so that's a really fun part of the podcast that ties back into the band. You know, we don't talk about it too much. So I thought since we're here, we spent all day recording and now is a good time to let people know that although we do talk about paranormal things, we also use those things as inspiration for musical creation. So, And, and that is why we are in it is to create yeah. new exciting content about paranormal stuff because a lot of paranormal podcasts Nobody else writes a song every week. So <laughs> they don't. And so that's the See You on the Other Side specialty. Yes. And you guys can see all that stuff. Sunspot.bandcamp.com. Right. Uh, you can see the... All the demos are up there. Right. For now. For uh, now. <laughs> we're probably going to move them to our Patreon community soon. Uh, but we'll talk about that at the end of the podcast. Anyway, <laughs> since we're talking about music a lot today, uh, Wendy, did you watch the Super Bowl last weekend? I didn't really watch it. I had it on in the background, and then I watched the halftime show. Okay, and that's the part I want to talk about. So you watched the halftime show. Yeah, which, by the way, I mean, it just strikes me as so funny that they have a musical halftime show. Yeah. Is that to try to make everybody feel included? or you know, Well, no, <laughs> I think with the musical half, is they, they, they want to bring an element of celebrity to it. They want to bring an element of excitement. Uh, because the original halftime shows of the Super Bowl were like just like, Cheerleaders, college and, bands, and cheerleaders—not oh, okay. like, not college bands, not like, but like college marching bands. Yeah, okay. So the halftime show is a spectacle. I see. Really developed in the '90s because then for television. Yeah. No, I mean they it were completely. making the special. So other stations used to have like alternate halftime shows. So if you're watching the Super Bowl, they would say like, okay, instead of watching the Super Bowl's halftime show, switch over here. We're gonna we're gonna put on like I remember in Living Colors, so Fox oh, put on an clever. alternate halftime show in the huh. early '90s, and then it'd be Keenan Ivory Wayans and Jim Carrey and everybody doing jokes at their halftime show, and it was an alternative one, yeah. and it was way cooler sure. than what the official Super Bowl halftime yeah. show was. So since then, the Super Bowl's gone, uh, or the NFL has gone above and beyond to create Try to keep people in an there. incredible halftime show to keep yeah. people watching. Well, I was thinking about this because, I mean, unless the Packers are in the Super Bowl, which hasn't happened in a while. In too long. Exactly. I don't pay any attention at all. Yeah, I don't even the know the other quarterbacks ball, or whatever. But of course I'm going to watch the halftime show. I mean, right. cuz it's cool and entertaining and they always have the neat special effects and everything. So, I just thought it was funny because I'm like that's kind of weird cuz typically, you know, friends of ours in the music scene and everybody always makes fun of oh, sports ball, points ball, you know, whatever. Right. But the fact that that's what they choose to have as the entertainment for all those people that are there for a sporting event. (laughs) It's funny. So when the Red Hot Chili Peppers did it, they admitted that they just lip sync. Sure. They lip sync their music. So here's how I discovered how sound works in a stadium. (laughs) Remember, there's a movie called Major League. Yes. 1987. Fun fact, I'm an extra in it. Fun fact, me too. (laughs) So Major League was shot at County Stadium Milwaukee. So they turned County Stadium for a few days that summer of... 19, probably 1986, 1987, I can't remember exactly. Um, but either one of those summers, they turned County Stadium into the Cleveland Indian Stadium. Yeah, that was cool. That was the Major League team. They had Bob Euchre was featured in the movie, and Bob Euchre is obviously a famous Milwaukee the guy. The best. Yeah, we love Bob And he's Uchre. on Mr. Belvedere, so I mean, come on. <laughs> yes, right. Smacked on the Everybody loves Bob Euchre. And so they're shooting Major League in Milwaukee. And they do this contest one of the days of like an impression contest. Who can do an impression? I'm like 10 years old. Oh boy, here it comes. And I'm like, I can do Robin Leach. (laughs) So Robin Leach had a show called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. I remember. And so like I used to imitate, oh, I'm Robin Leach (laughs) and this is Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Wait, wasn't it more like, 
named Robin Leach. Well, I'm a 10-year-old imitating Robin Leach. <laughs> and so I used to watch Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, and so I would imitate him. And so they had, like, who can do celebrity impersonation? And they had, like, four people come up. And so I raised my hand, and we were all extras sitting in the crowd all day. And they yeah. did not make it a pleasant oh. experience. Was Alan Thicke the the MC when you did it? Uh, not that day, I don't think. Okay. I've known Alan Thicke because obviously Growing Pains. Yeah, he was the MC the day that I was there. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I was. What? I, we were there like three or four days. We did not see Alan no? Thicke. I got uh, Wesley Snipes' autograph. Whoa, hey and, and I think Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen was pretty cool. Like everybody was, like Corbett yeah. Burton, Charlie Sheen, Wesley Snipes was Willie Mays. Hayes, I think like, I got um, Derringer. Rick Derringer. Rick Derringer, rock, yeah. and, rock and roll. No, you're thinking of Tom Berringer. Tom Berringer. <laughs> Rick Derringer is the rock and roll hoochie guy. And this is why I don't do well in trivia. God <laughs> but, okay, so, so, but the thing is, so Major League shot in Milwaukee. You, know, so, you only have so many movies shot in our hometown. Right. So we go, and um, my dad was a teacher, so we had the summers off, so we could go and, and hang out. Fun. And the thing is, like the extras didn't get anything. Like no. they did give like one car away a day. Like they gave a car away every day. <laughs> and they they were like tossing out little trinket prizes and candy. Yeah. This was the okay. We'll get to my story in a second. But this was the first time I discovered how adults could be worse than kids because when they would throw <gasps> oh, no. out candy, elbows. Like, uh, like adults were sitting there fighting each other over oh candy. Oh my gosh! Are you kidding me? And I'm like. All of a sudden, this becomes like a, a, a like George a Romero, Night of the Living Dead movie, like oh, where no. people turn on each other over candy. Well, that's because that's all they were getting. They're starving. Right? And they were starving. <laughs> like, the and people. people were throwing out candy. And people, like, this this like 40-year-old woman, and I'm 10, right? This 40-year-old oh. woman, like, grabs a piece of candy from the air, and she goes, oh. ha-ha, sucker. No. And I'm like, what did I do to you? Oh, Carla's going to get her back right, so bad. All, the only thing I could think was, like, well, you're going to die way before me. Oh. <laughs> Well, okay. So I go up there and I do my Robin Leach impersonation. There's like four of us. And these people really, their impersonations, I was 10 years old and they were crap. And I'm like, but my Robin Leach, I knew it was spot on. I knew it was pretty good. All right. But I get there and I talk into the microphone inside the stadium. Oh, no. And I did not <gasps> understand. Because you could hear the echo. The of physics the, of the, yeah. the echo and the fact that the speed oh, of sound hits the other side of the auditorium yep. before you hear your voice. Yeah, you have to like cover your ears so you can't. So I, uh, this is much like something that happened to Prince later on, and we'll get to in a second. We we'll start talking about the purple one, but um, I just biffed it on stage. Oh, like, little first, Mike! This is my first chance in front of tens of thousands of people, and I like I, wow. I made it to the end of the impression. Yeah. You know, like I had a little this lifestyle version of Robin Leach, and today we see the richest of the stars and the fanciest <laughs> yeah. of the. You know, like I had a like maybe like a twenty second thing, and I thought about it in my head, sure. and so I had it ready to go when I walked down and said, "I'm like, I got this." But the thing was, is that when I heard the voice, yeah, it'll mess back, you up really bad. Well, I got to hand it to you. You didn't let that keep you down. You got back up on stage. And, and thank goodness. And I still do it today. Yes. But the thing is, so that is why they lip sync yeah. at the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Well, and also the technical aspects of, you know, we know with our band, half of the tiny little clubs that we play in can't yeah. make a good sounding thing you're, out of a live concert. So how on earth? You're playing in the local crap hole for 100 people. <laughs> and these guys can't get the sound together. <laughs> like there's 50 or right. eight to 80,000 people. In a stadium where there's a... a 360 degrees of people all around you. It's not just sound pointing in one direction. So, I mean, of course. The whole lip syncing thing, whatever, I'm fine. I mean, I get it. <laughs> so, the Chili Peppers thought they did a good job. The last Packers Super Bowl where they had the Black Eyed Peas. That was cool. Yeah, when Slash came, it was doubly cool. Oh, gosh, yeah, that was awesome. Um, But I think that everybody thinks that the greatest Super Bowl performance of all time <laughs> was Prince. Oh, I mean, I definitely do. Yeah, I like wept during that performance <laughs> when he was playing Purple Rain and it started raining. Like it actually started raining. It was, as it was unbelievable. A supernatural force was in on the concert. You, you know, it, it's funny because I was listening. So Wendy and I were, were in the uh, fitness room at the hotel today and we were running. And so while we were running. Sunspot workout hour. It was a sunspot workout. So it was funny because a couple of times on my um, iPhone, sunspot songs would come up. <laughs> I'm like running to Sunspot songs while Wendy and I are working out like in the same room and like oh, listening to man. us sing. Such and I'm like, egomaniacs. This is, this is a weird situation. 
That's so meta, dude. It was. I'm like, I'm like, I'm working the our music while we're working out. Like, yeah, it was kind of like it was like a performance. But the thing is, um, I was also listening to a podcast from AJ Benza. AJ Benza is a guy who used to have an entertainment uh, E Channel show about like Hollywood gossip and things. He's been a, like a, a celebrity gossip columnist for twenty some years. Okay. So, but AJ Benza was talking about Prince's uh, charisma. Oh gosh! And yeah. he goes, he doesn't matter about the woman. He goes, Prince could make any woman swoon or cry. Oh, so when you say that you agreed, and you felt like you felt something inside. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no, it was a powerful performance. I mean, it really was. He didn't let the magnitude of the stadium affect his performance whatsoever. I mean, at least. That's how it came across. Right. He's very genuine. Just an amazing performer. I mean, he's been, he got signed when he's like 18. I mean, mm-hmm. he mastered like 27 instruments by the by the time he was 19. Yeah, incredible. His first album, Prince plays, and he's got that like cheesy mustache and he's, you know, he's got that 70s. Oh, it's like, so awesome. Ri- it's not quite Rick James style hair, but he's got that, you know, like longer hair in that original. I mean, he plays every single album. Yeah. And, you know, when I used to read about musicians and how they practice and stuff so prince would when he was growing up in minneapolis he would stay in at recess and just practice piano or practice every instrument like he would stay like he would stay in he would shun his friends and he would rather play with the instrument than than play with other kids okay and that's how he went into the right career then right (laughs) but you know i think about that super bowl performance and now i think it was the last time that Prince, like he captured the entire oh my gosh. consciousness, and everybody remembered great. that Prince was this incredible major talent that bridged rock and pop. He can play guitar like Jimi Hendrix, and he brings the oh rock aspect of it. And by the time you get to the '80s, it's just—I mean, things are moving into R&B where it's not guitar solos. It's not, you know, and he bridges that stuff between hard rock guitar solos and synth and R&B and everything and brings it all together. Mm-hmm. And to say Prince could make women swoon, Allison yeah. cannot join us today, my sister. <laughs> I was laughing because when you said <laughs> making people swoon, like she would be swooning too much to be able to now, discuss. Allison, like she actually, she doesn't remember this stuff anymore. <laughs> I love this though. No, number one. So, I mean, Prince was her favorite. Was are you, you going to out her now her, about oh, everything? Yeah. Oh boy, he here it comes. Friend. She painted her room purple. That's magnificent. Because Prince was. Her I love that. That's <laughs> so cute. Um, <laughs> so you know, she's in like junior high, going to high school, and Purple Rain. But she had the albums before Purple Rain, you know, too. She had like sure. controversies, The Sound of the Times. She had uh, 1999. And she, so this is this is what's great about Allison. Like she wanted to have a, a music system so bad. Yeah. And Allison worked hard, but she wasn't the world's greatest student. Oh my! Like, hey, I'm just saying she wasn't the world's greatest student. Um. So my parents said, if you get a certain grade point average, uh huh, we will buy you a stereo, a record player. Okay. It had an eight track on it too. That's cool. So this is what we're talking about. That's, That's really cool. <laughs> Had an A-track. On. Vintage. And so she wanted that record player so bad that she didn't get the grade points. But she was able to, like, very carefully. With them. <laughs> and this is one of the, like, dot matrix print things. Right. She was able to change, like, her D to a B. And that made it so that she was able to get the uh, stereo. Well, that's what we call ingenuity. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying she didn't work hard. I'm just saying it, she she worked hard. It just, she earned it. It just wasn't an algebra. And so she changes this. My parents buy the stereo. And we considered calling my mother and bringing her in on this because Allison wasn't available. Oh. I'm like, oh, what would be even better is have oh, my mom Mike. tell the story. But uh, That would have been great, actually. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to... Uh, I mean, Allison listens. To the, she's going to listen to this show. And she's going to be like, "I hate you." For right. It. So we still want to keep oh, this cordial. Family feud. <laughs> All right. But the thing is, that's how I heard Prince's music for the first time. Because it would come and she'd play in her stances in rooms where adjoining. Yeah. Like I would just hear it. She'd play it all the time. So I'd hear all those great albums. Yeah. And then I'd be like, wow, boy, this music is awesome. Well, thank goodness she it. had such good taste. She did have good taste. Yeah. Otherwise, you might have been influenced by 
right. other horrible things that came out during that time period. Well, right. It could have been all like hair metal and cock rock and stuff like that. Or like the really cheesy, you know, synth. Well, she did have stuff. like that Lionel Richie, like dancing on the ceiling <laughs> kind of thing. I've actually, okay. bar- when we were in college, I've actually borrowed that album and I put it on my, like I taped nice. it to my ceiling and had the Lionel Richie. That's like, funny. Um, but no, so my exposure was through my sister who loved Prince. Yeah. Who would talk to my parents sometimes? She'd be like, "Oh yeah," and my dad, you know, because the thing is that Prince was such a like if you listen to his music, it was so sexual. Oh gosh, like every yeah. song is like, mm-hmm, "Come on, girl, I'm gonna get on you." Yeah. yeah, like every song was like a. Rah, rah, rah. Um, but the thing is, because Prince wore makeup, had the frilly shirts, <laughs> was like a little. Sure, had, had effeminate. Kind yeah, they of, they would call him like Metro or something nowadays, yeah. probably. Uh, I don't have metros. Right, exactly. But my dad, you know, he was just like, yeah, obviously Prince has more talent in his pinky finger than I have in my entire body. <laughs> but he's still kind of girl. Oh. <laughs> and, but, you know, but the thing is, this Which, is... you know, would be a compliment. Today. Today. So my exposure to his music, um, I just loved it. Always loved it. That was one of the first CDs, like when we went to Swish the CDs, I bought Purple Rain. Yeah. Um listened to it you know a million times and uh, I even waited so I lived in Minneapolis for a couple of years and my wife and I waited in line at Paisley Park to go see a prince like, and I'm so jealous that you got to do that this is, this I remember is, when oh, you were doing that I'm be, like oh. because it was on the radio so we hadn't got an apartment yet we were just staying in a hotel or whatever before we got an apartment yeah. and uh, we were in the a section of Minneapolis that was close to Chanhassen and Chanhassen is where Paisley Park was but it's okay. just a suburb of Minneapolis and I mean, Minneapolis and St. Paul, their metro area is huge, like two and a half million people. But there's a ton of suburbs surrounding the downtown area. And um, so we just hear on the radio, oh, Prince is having a party tonight. <laughs> you know, it's, it's $50, Bloody. $50 tickets, but it's a, it's a donation to his Which is charitable such a cool organization. Thing to do. And a thousand people. Yeah. You know, so go. The first people who get there right. get to so go. So we wait in line for four yeah, hours. It's amazing. And, like no phones, no alcohol. You had to, you know, they had, they sold water for a buck a bottle, uh-huh. and you gave your like phones at the door or something, gave them back to you at the end. Yeah. Which now I'd be like, what? I'm not gonna give you my phone. <laughs> but like, you know, ten, like four or five years ago, I was like that's cool, and it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, it was Prince <laughs> in right in his like, home in his native environment, like seeing him in a club, <laughs> like seeing him in a, like yeah, it would be like seeing him at, club. at the first Ave, right. you'd see him at the first Ave in the 1980s. Yep. So that what well, you didn't have to see him in. At the Super Bowl, you know, it was just—it was no, awesome. so cool. And um, and then when he broke out the guitar, you know, and then solo yeah. and stuff like made that, made it happen. I, I cried. Yeah. Like it just—it was beautiful. It's powerful. Like just and if, you know, a thousand people around you just feeling like you're at this special performance. So he had that power to make people feel special. Very, yeah. And so I, I something about has admired his songwriting ability. Uh, everything about Prince is something that I think is something magical. Yeah. And obviously people in Minneapolis. Oh, they when he it. passed away in yeah. April of 2016, it was That impacted the city hugely. Yeah, like people were yeah. upset for months. Yeah. You know, and let's go over that timeline real quick because okay. we want to get to the thing is we're talking a lot about <laughs> prints and stuff. We're not getting into the paranormal stuff or the, the conspiracy stuff. Oh, but, but we will. But we want to just mention that I kind of want to set up just how important that this artist was in our lives and in other people's lives. And maybe in your life, if you're listening to this episode. Yeah. That, I mean, he meant something to my sister. He meant something to me. He meant something to my dad. Got more talent than I got my pinky finger, but doesn't mean he should get a perm. You know how old guys talk. So let's go to the Minneapolis Star Tribune. The timeline of his final days. April 7th, 2016. Prince blames the flu, cancels two concerts in Atlanta. He's doing a uh, a tour where it's just him and a piano. Which sounds absolutely right. amazing. Freaking amazing. <laughs> I go to just that. watching Prince sing songs, oh. play a piano. How cool. Dr. Michael Todd Schulenberg, a family practitioner who is treating Prince to help him withdraw from his opioid addiction, sees mm. him on this date on April 7, 2016. So he blames it on the flu. Something else going on. Okay. Yeah. April 14th. A week later, Prince comes back to Atlanta. He fulfills his concert. April 15th, the next day, 2016. While returning to Minneapolis, Prince's private plane makes an emergency landing in Moline, Illinois. Quad Ooh. cities. Not exactly a 
destination. No. I, to, well, to the poor people of the Quad Cities, which is usually regarded as like the worst place in the United States. <laughs> like all the, like their, their crime and their poverty and stuff um. like that. Sorry, guys. But it's not a destination. Um, it landed because he overdosed on opioids. And so a source says this, that he overdoses on opioids. But people say that uh, it's something else, that he just has exhaustion, that it's just, you know, they had to stop. But the thing is, the people who were emergency responders, they gave him Narcan. Oh, yeah. That's a... An opioid antidote. I mean, Narcan saves people's lives. Right. And so he doesn't stay in Moline. He ends up flying back to Minneapolis. Uh, but he admits to police that are asking him about the situation that he had taken painkillers. So April 16th, he's got a party at Paisley Park. He's showing people that he still can go. He plays chopsticks and his new purple piano, has a new guitar. Awesome. Um, he tells his audience, wait a few days, don't pray for me yet. Don't pray for me yet. Weird thing to say, huh? Right. April 19th, Prince attends a concert at the Dakota Jazz Club in Minneapolis. Okay. Which I know exactly where it is. I've been to Dakota like a dozen ah. times. So I imagine going to Dakota. Because like Thursdays, oh Thursdays used to have like $9 bottles of wine. Yeah. So the idea that you could go to Dakota and there'd be Prince. No, I can't I'm imagine. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Blow my mind. Okay. April 20th, Prince is talking to his doctor that was prescribing the opioids. And then they contact a guy in California, a California addiction specialist, and says, like, he's got a problem. Aww, you know, he's so addiction. Sad. you got to get to Minnesota immediately. Well, uh, April 21st, that's when they find him. Oh. They arrive at Paisley Park, 9.30 a.m. Um, the son of the guy, the doctor that was supposed to come help him with the opioid addiction, and a couple of the staffers, they find his body in an elevator. Aww. They call 911, 9.43 Emergency responders arrive five minutes later. Wow, that's fast. I would say... I mean... Pronounce him dead by 10.07. And he also tells the investigator he had prescribed oxycodone to be filled at a Walgreens pharmacy. Now, Wendy, didn't you just see something (laughs) to do with that? Yeah, actually, uh, when I was in Los Angeles about two weeks ago. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, went to the Dearly Departed tour. Uh, they have a museum very close to Hollywood Forever Cemetery. And it's all the collection of memorabilia from... It's it's morbid, <laughs> as you would sure. expect. Like um, you said, they have Jane Mansfield's car. Yeah, they have the whole... The, the crashed car. And then they have all kinds of items that were found at the final scenes where various famous people died. And one of the things that was in one of the cases was a Prince uh, Walgreens bag, prescription bag. Yeah, so it might have been that Walgreens prescription. Yeah, it might have. It's yeah, it's. I think it said it was the last like prescription or whatever. But it's funny because you see these items and then you think about all the circumstances surrounding them. It's well, and here's the thing. So, you know, we talk about opioid addictions, and you know. When people talk about Prince's death, they were trying to figure out 57 years old. Yeah, pretty young. Pretty young. He died in an elevator in Paisley Park. He died in yeah. his home. Like, what happened? Yeah. And August of 2016, so four months later, pills marked as hydrocodone that were seized from Paisley Park after his death. Because the police came when they realized that there were drugs involved. Are found to contain fentanyl. Indicating that they were counterfeits. A source oh, with no. knowledge of the investigation told the Star Tribune. So, investigators found no prescriptions for fentanyl, but they did find that, that some of the pills substance. that he was taking that were prescribed, I don't know if they got them at Walgreens oh, or where they got them, but no. some of the heat of a fentanyl yeah. overdose, just like, I mean, wow. so Prince dies of the same thing that your local guy who got hooked on hit, yeah. hillbilly heroin dies of, you know? Sheesh. So, it just, I mean, we talk about the opioid crisis. Oh, yeah, it's a big one. <laughs> it's some of our most talented people Sad. end up being it's tragic it really is and the thing is is that heroin overdoses are like because we think about so Jimi hendrix heroin overdose that's a you know a famous death and there's several like the the dead by 27 club yeah is all like heroin overdose kind yeah. of people and it's because in the early 70s they didn't have narcan yes yeah, so they can resuscitate people and they also injected so when you inject there's no come back like it's in your bloodstream huh so if you just smoked heroin, you're not going to OD. But oh. if you inject it, and so one of the things that has kept people from dying of heroin, so our rock stars don't usually die of heroin ODs now, is because 
They're uh, consuming it in other ways? They're, right. They're consuming it in other ways. But the thing is, this new fentanyl stuff ends up being just as dangerous as, I mean, think about Michael Jackson, too. Yeah. You know, the same kind of thing. Like, you would not classify Prince, who was a guy who, he became a Jehovah's Witness, and he was always a very spiritual person. And here's something interesting that, um, when I'm reading about Prince, is that he was raised a Seventh-day Adventist. And we've talked about the Seventh-day Adventists before on the show because the Seventh-day Adventists were part of the group that thought there was going to be a like apocalypse in the mid-19th oh, century. Oh, my goodness. So they yeah. thought, and then they just changed the date. So what they kept on doing was that they were like, okay, the apocalypse is going to happen. So yeah. if you guys remember a couple of years ago, like there was like, oh, the world's going to end in May. And then, okay, the world didn't end. And then the guy's like, oh, it's going to end in October. And then it didn't end. And then, like, the, <laughs> hit the snooze button again. <laughs> it's not time. The, the, that particular religious organization just fell apart. Well, that's what the Seventh-day Adventists did in the 19th century. They were like the boy who cried wolf. <laughs> right. And then they just became, you know, a very kind of, like, kind of hardcore religious sect. But he was raised in that. So there was always a spiritual element to his music. I mean, think about Let's Go Crazy. It starts with, dearly beloved, right. we're gathered here today. You know, this thing called life. Yeah. And Prince becomes a Jehovah's Witness in the early 21st century. Uh-huh. So how old was he? Well, if he died at 57 in 2016, that means he's born in uh, 1959. So later in life. Yeah. So he's 40-something when he becomes a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. And Jehovah's Witnesses were also an apocalyptic kind of sect. Okay. So in the 1920s is when the Jehovah's Witnesses thought the world was going to end. And then it didn't. But the organization didn't change. Uh-huh. But the, what's interesting thing about the Jehovah's Witness, and we'll get to this because he talks about this in an interview he does, and this is one of the reasons that people think he was murdered. Whoa. So Jehovah's Witnesses don't vote. They don't uh, just vote. They don't support political parties. They support governments, but they don't support political parties. Okay. They also don't celebrate birthdays. Like if you guys ever had a Jehovah's Witness in class. Oh, yeah. It was always like yeah. you couldn't sing happy birthday. Yeah. And they couldn't even get a birthday treat. And they wouldn't have birthday parties like everybody else did. Right. Like that. And then also that when they'd come over to your house and deliver their issue of the watchtower, <laughs> you would just turn off all the lights and pretend you weren't home. Yeah. Because you didn't want to say like, no, I'm not interested in the issue of the watchtower. And that I, was really nice. I, well, they have to be. The Jehovah's Witnesses do the door-to-door right. preaching. Prince did that in Minneapolis and Los Angeles. Oh, my gosh. Like, he was really into it. Like, he even told Wendy and Lisa, the mem- original members of the Revolution. Yeah. So you guys have seen Purple Rain. Uh, Wendy and Lisa, the guitar player and keyboard. Um, also, Wendy's a lesbian. Uh-huh. And so, like, in 2000, she wanted to do a Revolution reunion. Yeah. Thought it was about time. And the Prince's career wasn't as hot as it was. Like, now that he's dead, everybody's like, oh, man, Prince. But you got to remember... That yeah, he went through the <laughs> the whole thing. I mean, the same thing happened to David Bowie. Yeah, you know, David Bowie does like, oh man, man, Bowie, well, <laughs> man, David Bowie couldn't even for a while. Like he was on tour with Nine Inch Nails, and he was the opener. Yeah, that's and that's Bowie. I, and so Prince has this has this time where he's not a a big star. He's not selling a lot of albums, and we'll get to the the symbol that I think led to that. Yeah, when he changed his name. So Wendy and Lisa want to do like a revolution thing. They think it's going to make some money. It's going to be fun. And Prince is like, well, you know, I'd like to get the band back together. But I want you to denounce your homosexuality and also Wendy's Jewish and say that you're going to convert. No. Yeah. And so this is the thing. Right. And so that's open-minded guy. But he had a very, like, he had almost a... He was very dedicated to the mindset of his religion. That was a belief system. And the thing is, he talks about this. So his, Tavis Smiley show. Tavis Smiley's like NPR show. Um, good interviewer. But uh, so he interviews with Tavis Smiley to promote his um, Lotus Flower album in 2009. Yeah. His Lotus Flower album contains a song called Dreamer. Okay. Now, Dreamer is a song that talks about chemtrails. <gasps> chemtrails? Right. Ooh, so, now we're getting into paranormal territory. Right, so what's the chemtrail? So chemtrail <laughs> is the idea that when you know, and Prince says it. He's like, I looked up overhead, and I was a kid, and you would see a jet pass by. You're like, oh, cool planes. And then he goes, one day you see several jets pass by, and the the, the trails, the jet streams, a different color, and then people start fighting. And there's with a whole bunch of them, and then everybody in the neighborhood starts getting starts angry fighting. and fighting. Yeah. And so it's the idea that. 
the government or someone or someone <laughs> is using these chemicals and chemtrails is something like coast to coast all the time. Sure. Yeah. That's so a, the idea that these chemicals are into the atmosphere. And so there's people within my family. Yeah. Who are into chemtrails. Or against. Well, they're, they're <laughs> against it. They're paying attention. But they, they believe that it's something other than just a jet. Like, yeah, they think it changes the weather. The natural. Yeah, okay. So what they'll do is they'll watch, the, they'll list how many um, oh, jet streams they'll see, wow, okay. the color of the jet streams, and then the weather the next day. Okay. And it all leads into very Alex Jones-ish. Yeah. That um, they're using these chemicals in the atmosphere yeah. to do something to us, to depopulate us. Because the less people you have, they think, you know, um, you bring the population down, it's easier to control. Uh-huh. And then it's easier for the environment and everything. So how do you do it? You kill the plebes. And you kill the plebes <laughs> through chemicals in the atmosphere. And so that's... And so when I first found out about this, was Prince killed? Was yeah. it... Members of my family were like, hey, you should check this out. And they're like, you know, they killed Prince for this. And I'm like, what? Prince comes out. He sees this thing, writes a song about Kemp, song Dreamer okay. on the Lotus Flower album. And he was influenced by a comedian by the name of Dick Gregory. Okay. And so Dick Gregory, he just died in like August of 2017. Oh. And Dick Gregory was a very famous comedian in the 60s, friends with Hugh Hefner, Chicago-based. Like he integrated black comedy like he brought it to a white audience okay and so he did groundbreaking like like clubs that only used to have white comedians he would play cool and so he kind of set the standard for comedians Mm -hmm. but he also as he got older got way into conspiracy theories oh okay the idea that aids was created to kill black people oh wow um there's an interview where dick gregory talks about prince's death and yeah. he's like, I never met the guy. And we just we just watched this interview before. Yeah. And he did sound like he sounded like uh, dementia. Off the deep end, for sure. Yeah. It was <laughs> kind of uncomfortable to watch, actually. It, it was, because it, it's like, if you ever seen the movie Bowling for Columbine? No, I have not seen okay. that one. Now, I generally think that Michael Moore, whatever you regard for his politics, I generally think of yeah. Michael Moore as a pretty effective filmmaker. Okay. But he does this interview in Bowling for Columbine with Charlton Heston. Okay. When Charlton Heston is obviously hitting Alzheimer's. Oh, okay? that's, yeah, that's difficult. And so he uses the full interview to make Charlton Heston and the NRA look bad. Oh. And, well, I get it. Because if you do believe that the NRA is pushing death or whatever, then you are sure. going to use this. And Charlton Heston was its president. True. Yeah. <laughs> But at the same time, like you can tell that Charlton Heston is not trying to say something racist. Charlton Heston marched with Martin Luther King, just like Dick Gregory did. He marched with Martin Luther King. Like yeah. Charlton Heston was a big civil rights guy. The movie I Am Legend is like a big interracial thing for a time when interracial stuff wasn't in. You know, so Charlton Heston's not a guy that you would say is a racist guy. Like you might not agree with his stance on guns. Uh huh. Okay. And so Michael Moore like made it look like he was saying something racist. Oh, and you I just see. knew that this is an old man with dementia. That's what it reminded me of the Dick Gregory. Oh, okay. Talking about Prince's death. Because this guy leads him on. And Dick Gregory is talking about how TMZ was interviewing Prince. Yeah. And like, who is TMZ owned by? Right. And the guy's like, well, Time Warner. And what was Prince's record label? Warner Brothers. So when Prince changed his name in the 1990s, he changed his name to a symbol. Uh-huh. And some people think that that symbol, which uh, combines male and female, like the sigil. Right. Remember when he was, he some was other the, Remember he was the artist too. formerly known as Prince? Yes. Oh, I totally remember that because yeah. it was like everybody was kind of making fun of it back in the day because they're like, oh, can't say his name because it's just a symbol now. <laughs> right. And he tried to change his name because he was trying to get out of a record contract with Warner Brothers. Oh, Okay. So the idea that Dick Gregory was saying is that those guys, <laughs> they don't kill him now because because revenge is best served cold. They're not interested. Like the people in power don't kill people. This is, the think, the gist of that kind of crazy YouTube video. Yeah. They don't kill you now because it's obvious. They find a way to kill you over the long Later term. on. They just eliminate yeah. you and then you become a fool or a drug addict <sighs> or a... A thing like that. Boy, that's depressing. <laughs> yeah. The idea, like these guys are smart enough that they don't just murder you. Like they're like Ooh. mafia. Right. Where they just murder you, take care of you, and they make a point. The idea is they want you out of the way. And that's what's more important. So they kill you in a way that 
they never get suspected. A subtle way. <laughs> and so Prince changed his name to a symbol so that he could get out of his record contract. And then he writes a thing on his face. Like he does a press conference. He writes slave on his wow. cheek. You know, and he even says that. I mean, he says that in the interview with Tavis yeah. Smiley where he talks about chemtrails and seeing Dick Gregory's thing. And he was so influenced by yeah, it. He write yeah. a song. He says, um, he's like, well, we're just all on the plantation now. That's sad. And then, but then Tavis Smiley says like, well, we, I guess, but, you know, we do have a black president, Barack Obama. And Prince is like, well, I, I don't have a horse in that race. I'm a Jehovah's Witness. We don't vote. Uh-huh. He sounds so separate from reality at that point when he says that. Uh-huh. You know, he's just like, well, I don't have a horse in that race. Like, yeah, like well, no, no comment. <laughs> yeah, which I, I thought was interesting because yeah. that wasn't even be a popular thing to say in 2009. Right. Yeah. Like, the, you know, a politically popular thing to say. True. Yeah, it would have been just easy enough to... <laughs> but there's, there's several places on the internet that said like either... like So Alex Jones, Infowars, made the video saying that the chemtrails made oh, okay. the people in power want to kill him. But other people have posited that the Illuminati wanted to kill him because he fought against the big corporations. Oh, wow. like he was the one who was striking the first blow against big record labels. Wow. Warner Brothers saying, you know, I'm a slave. I'm on the plantation. Huh. You know, he even says... In a thing from maybe 2015, uh, you read a quote of his. He goes, I would tell new artists, do not sign the record label. I'll use the word. It's slavery. Wow. He's like, I'll use the word. Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> he kind of says that. So that's what people think. Yeah. That like he was murdered and it was made to look like it was a opioid overdose. Wow. Well, that's... Uh... You know, and the funny thing, that even the symbol though, like when people talk about, you know, Prince is a guy that uses symbolism... Oh my goodness! It, I mean, obviously, yes. <laughs> he uses many words for female body parts in all of his songs. <laughs> like he's not afraid of that symbolism <laughs> no. whatsoever. <laughs> um, but the, he, I mean, so when I saw him at, at Paisley Park, he played with his band Third Eye Girl, and yes. the, the Third Eye Girl album—that was cover, his like most recent project that he yeah. was working on, right? And so Prince was always a guy that. He would take young women, yeah, he was... young female artists, and he would like make their career. He wrote Manic Monday for the Bangles. He wrote Sex Shooter for like Vanity Six, nice. Apollonia, who starred in Purple Rain. Like right. he would take the uh, Shane O'Connor. The reason we yeah. know who Shane O'Connor <laughs> is is because of Prince. Oh, such a great song too. Right, and his version's great too. Like yeah. it's, you know, let's. It's a great song. It's, it's nothing. It's, I mean, her, she really does have a soulful. She delivered version. it. Yeah, uh, but Prince does a great job himself. Yes, uh, as he does. That's when I said I actually appreciate it. Was when I heard the Prince version. I was like, oh man. Yeah. He's oh, he's. Um, that's when I learned how to play it. Was I was like, I wanted to because I'm like, okay, this a guy can sing this song. This is great. But his third eye girl is you know Prince like a Jimi Hendrix afro. And he's wearing John Lennon glasses, and he's got an extra lens, an extra, you know, an eyepiece yeah. to represent the third eye. Sure. The, the third eye in, you know, like traditional metaphysical stuff is the eye that looks inside. Right. It's the eye that sees your soul. It's the eye that sees the things that you're... The all-seeing eye? <laughs> well, that's oh, another little okay. eye thing. All right. But so the band Third Eye Blind that Wendy and I just opened for, you know, a couple months ago. Uh, so Third Eye, the idea was that when the singer Stephen Jenkins was all hopped up in the crystal meth, he was Third Eye Blind because he could not see inside. He yeah. was not taking care of himself or his soul because he was just taking care of his uh, getting physical pleasure. Right. Like getting, you know. And so Prince uses that with his Third Eye Girl band. And, you know, uses that in all the symbolism cool. and everything. But so when he created that sigil, though, with a, with a male symbol and a female symbol. Mixed and he had the guitar and everything that was the same shape. Yeah. So cool looking. And, you know, actually, uh, full disclosure, Ben and I play Hoyer guitars. And that, <laughs> that company is actually not in business anymore. But Hoyer guitars, um, the designer who designed all the Hoyer guitars is this that Ben and I play. And we were sponsored by the yeah. company. Designed Prince's. Yeah, it's amazing. Sigil guitar. Beautiful piece of work. Yeah. I mean, the Hoyer guitars are pretty cool, but yeah. Prince's guitar is obviously the best. <laughs> so Prince's symbol, like he uses this thing that some people say has a cult value, and they're trying to compare it to how uh, on Led Zeppelin Four, Jimmy Page, just he uses the Zoso, like all these symbols, and then 
on the album of Led Zeppelin IV, the one that contains Stairway to Heaven. Yeah. The artists, like so Robert Plant and John Bonham and John Paul Jones and Jimmy Page, aren't mentioned. They're just represented by symbols. Ah. So because Jimmy Page was so into the occult, they're like, well, Jimmy Page did this, and this is Prince's example of fulfilling his satanic nice. destiny. So I mean, before people thought that Prince was murdered by the Illuminati, they thought he was a tool oh, of Illum- or part of it. <laughs> when really, uh, there, you read this interview with the guy that created the symbol for Prince, and Prince is just like, I want to I need quit. something. I want to quit. I need a new symbol. And he loved the idea uh, and this is this is what I think is interesting. He loves the idea that male and female meet because he was working on the career of two girls at the time. Ah. One was mate with a Y, M-A-Y-T-E, okay. who he eventually married. They had a miscarriage. Like it all ended up oh, horrible. And it was really sad. sad. Like, you know, Super Prince had, sad. Prince has no children. Yeah. But he did have children that passed away. So that's very sad for yeah. him and his wife. And the other girl, he was grooming at the time to make a star, uh-huh. ended up being Carmen Electra. <gasps> Whoa. Yeah. So Carmen Electra was just a backup dancer in his band. And then he was trying to make her into a, like an Apollonia or a Vanity or a. Carmen Electra might be very sexy, but she doesn't have the singing chops of like Sinead O'Connor or something like that. So that wasn't going anywhere. But I just thought that was interesting because I didn't even realize that Carmen Electra had a connection. Yeah, I didn't know that either. And he was excited. He's like, oh, yeah, make the male and female because I'm grooming these girls. Right. And so the idea that he used it for some kind of mystical thing. (laughs) No, he was just kind of, he needed a symbol. Yeah. It looked cool. He always was a gender bender. Yeah. And I mean, I got to say the artist who came up with that, it it is really cool looking because it's, I don't know. It's It's just very nice. It's nicely balanced and it's just, it's got, you know, the straight lines and the curvy lines and it's just cool <laughs> you know and, and there's other things that make people think that the death of prince was a murder one is that in 2008 simpsons homer is tasked by members of the entertainment industry to murder prince oh! because prince was speaking out against record labels oh man so there's an episode of the wow, simpsons in 2008 that's... where homer is supposed to kill prince that his job oh. like he's given a gun to kill prince like somebody on facebook in 2012, and this is something that went viral, April 21st, 2012, this guy named Mikel Giussiani writes, Prince will die four years from today. What? Yeah. And so the thing is, this guy's account doesn't exist anymore. So this guy deleted his account. So it's all gone. But there's these screen captures of this guy <laughs> writing, Prince will die four years from today. On April 1st, April 21st, I'm suspicious of that. Of course, that is totally suspicious. Like, people create fake <laughs> A screen face. capture is People easy create to Facebook mimic. conversations between Captain America and Iron Man, so they can do whatever they want, you know? Well, you can also predict anything on Twitter. You just, every day, you say, this is going to happen, and then when it actually happens, you delete every day except for the... That, right. Yeah. Um, so that happens. Uh, there's a guy on Twitter named Young Chris, <laughs> Taylor, Michigan, writes... November 15th, 2016. Oh, I'm sorry, April 15th. Now, this is the day, though, that Prince goes oh, down to Moline, Illinois. The, yeah. the plane has to tax has, day. Has to do an emergency. And he says, $100 says Prince dies in the next two weeks. So he gets it right. But I mean, that doesn't mean anything. But it's still creepy that yeah. people were saying that. Yeah. But also, Prince's last Instagram post is like a picture of him oh, no. that says, Just when you thought you were safe. That's it? Yeah. Ooh. What does that mean? Yeah, that's... Just when you thought you were safe. That's cryptic. Does it mean that... Like, I take it... Like, if I had read it, I'd be like, Prince is going to have sex with you. <laughs> like, just when you thought you were safe, this 57-year-old man... I was thinking, like... going to have sex with you. No, I was thinking, like, he's going to release a new album or something like, you know, have it be kind of a media blitz thing or I don't know. Sure. But it's still a weird thing that like your it's last very odd thing to before say. you yeah. die is oh. just when you thought you were safe. Um, huh. All right. That's ominous. Yeah. So was Prince murdered? I don't know. Um, oh, I hope not. Well, so if you watch the Super Bowl. And this is going back Today, to our, this year's Super Bowl. This year's so Super Bowl with Justin Timberlake, and this yeah. is actually we we're supposed to get to this like forty minutes ago. Oh, yeah. So uh, if you watch this year's Super Bowl, 
uh, you'd see that it was done in Minneapolis. Yeah. Obviously, the new U.S. Bank Stadium. And I was living right across from it when it was being built. Oh, and I used to run around it and stuff. And it's obviously majestic. Um, it's not too far away from several very haunted places. Ooh. So if you guys visit Minneapolis, make sure. Uh, well, there's actually a ghost story that we talk about yeah. from the construction. Uh, wait, wait. Where do you talk about that ghost story? We talk about it on Minneapolis Ghost Walks. Oh. And so downtown Minneapolis is where the U.S. Bank Stadium is and where the Super Bowl happened. And there's a whole bunch of ghost stories right next door. Wow. There's ghost stories in the uh, the old uh, Minneapolis Dome. Yeah. So we talk about that. MinneapolisGhostWalks.com is where you can check that out. In the summertime. Right. It's not happening right now because it's like four degrees in <laughs> yeah, Minneapolis it's tonight. It's probably below zero. It's 12 degrees in Menominee <laughs> Falls tonight. Uh, so it's cold. It's cold. It's chilly. And uh, so Justin Timberlake's singing. And then they have a, like, they were like, were they going to bring out a hologram of Prince or whatever? And so that was the rumor. It ended up being like a... Like it's a, a projection on like a, a, projection, a sheet that was hanging, kind of like a sheet that was blowing. Mean, yeah. it, it was pretty awesome. I thought it was cool, and it was a nice little honor. Like I didn't think it was in bad taste no. or anything like that. Like it's the man gave us music; we should still enjoy. And it. it's his home city, and it meant so much to him, and he meant so much to that city. It, to to omit him from that performance would have been right inappropriate. So, <laughs> so I mean, Prince lived a lot. I mean, he lived in different places, but he he always kept that a home in Minneapolis. He, went, yep. I mean, he lived in Los Angeles, but he always kept a home in Minneapolis, and he always made it his home, and he always felt connected to it. Right. And so, what he wasn't a transplant. He was somebody that like the the most talented guy in the world right. stuck by his hometown. And so, I thought it was yeah. cool that the, I did too. The first you know Super Bowl they have in Minneapolis at the U.S. Bank Stadium in, involved Prince. He also made the news this week because Quincy Jones did an interview. Oh. Now, Quincy Jones is the producer of Thriller. Uh, I, I mean, know the whole dance. Yes, Wendy <laughs> Wendy knows the dance. And I will do and, it upon request. I mean, Quincy Jones is also the producer of like the Will Smith, oh, uh, gosh. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So many like, things. He says that he didn't start like, making really mo- real money until he did television. Which I thought was interesting. Wow, because he's so talented, and in he's the arranged things. I mean, he used to hang out with Frank Sinatra, oh hang out with Marlon Brando. Like he hangs, he hung out with everybody famous yeah. for the past. He's eighty-five years old, and what? so he's is doing. Old? He's doing press this week because he has a Netflix Gosh. special. I didn't know he was that old, and he's got all these things coming out. I mean, he's been famous wow. since he's been like twenty years old. Yeah, true. He's got. You know, a and he's the career. father of Rashida Jones, who is my secret girlfriend. <laughs> Secrets out now, Mike. Secrets out now, Rashida Jones. I just, I just love Rashida Jones. Um, but he, I mean, he, obviously, the man is a musician yeah. that knows a ton of instruments, arrangement. He's just gifted. production. But the thing is, he's obviously best friends with Michael Jackson. So there's this video of 1983. Michael Jackson's obviously top of the world. Prince, top of the world. Yeah. There's a James Brown show in Los Angeles. James Brown invites Michael up to sing a little bit. You know, how amazing would that be? Right. Following Michael Jackson, he invites Prince to come. Oh my so he had a goodness. James Brown show with Michael Jackson and Prince. <gasps> Get out of town. Get out of town. Oh. I am I'm out of town. Ah. <laughs> but that's funny. Because the thing is, when you because Prince had that ow, like yeah, he just would yeah. throw into things, just like James yeah. Brown. Ha! So totally. That, hot um, <laughs> too hot in the hot tub. That's a Eddie Murphy sketch if you guys don't get it when Eddie Murphy was funny. Um, so Michael Jackson comes up, kills it. Prince comes up, plays guitar, like rips his shirt off, sings. He doesn't have it. Like, he just had an off oh, night. Oh, no. He just Aww. had an off night. But he was so mad that Michael Jackson told Quincy Jones that Prince told his limo driver, Prince's limo driver, to run over Michael and Latoya no. after the show. No, he and wouldn't do that. I don't think he would either, but that's what Quincy Jones said. He's that's like, what Michael Jackson Michael, thought. Michael Jackson believed that Prince was trying to <gasps> murder him. That he was so jealous, such a competitor. That's a story. He was like, I can't top you on stage. Oh my goodness. I will kill you. <laughs> Sorry, it's just... I don't know. I, yeah, I feel like something has to... Maybe have been lost in translation. Quincy, Quincy Jones know. also said in that same interview that oh, Marlon no. Brando boned Richard Pryor. Oh, <laughs> stop it! Can you imagine Marlon Brando like sneaking no, up on no, you? No, no, no. Okay, let's just let's get back. I've on seen track Last here. Tango in Paris, That's, so I know how this ends. Speaking of ends, Prince. anyway, Prince, oh. what a brilliant guy. 
Now, he certainly thought there was something amiss yeah. with the chemtrail. I mean, he something that Dick Gregory said, who's been a, a conspiracy theorist, really resonated with him. Huh. And Prince fought the system. He fought the system so hard he, he was going to be ridiculed. And bless his heart for it. Ridiculed for years. I know. Oh, the artist formerly known. And everybody said that, like, yeah. nobody said that because they loved Prince. They said that the artist formerly with like... But- I mean, to be fair, back then, most of us didn't know that was why he was doing it. At least I certainly didn't. I Once I saw the uh, news conference, I was like 18 or 19 when the yeah. news conference came. Once I saw the news conference with a slave written on his face, like I, he, he explained it then. See, I don't remember that at all. So I just remember like, yeah, or, you know, oh, like, wow, he's, he's one of those eccentric, you know, artist people. And the thing <laughs> is, like you think about Prince's like 1988 album, Love Sexy, uh-huh. and he's buck naked on it and he's got his leg like right in front of his junk so you don't see all the goods you don't see the you don't see the princely the jewels the yeah. family jewels you don't see the, the crown jewels Prince. oh no <laughs> so you don't see it uh and so oh. you're sitting there and i remember looking at that like what oh my god like this guy is really a madman that's um, wild so that's what you think so the thing is yeah okay was prince murdered probably not hope not it just I mean, painkillers from years of dancing, wearing heels. He's a little guy. He doesn't have big legs or anything like that. And he's dancing all the time. Well, and those tours. Right. Those tours are exhausting. Like, we know. We've seen so many artists go through the pressure and the it's not healthy. Well, I mean. <laughs> the little think, sleep and think so about much the exertion. Fo- the football players. They t- I mean, the thing is, Brett Favre was a drug addict. And in Wisconsin, right. people are like, oh, well, Brett Favre, you know, he was in a lot of pain. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing. Exactly. And if somebody would have snuck Brett Favre fentanyl, yeah. he'd be dead too. True. Yeah. So Prince got the wrong stuff and died. And it's so sad. And was he killed by the Illuminati who just were cold SOBs and tried to kill him years after he fought oh, the system? gosh. You know, I don't think so because he already was, before he died, I mean, Prince was cool. You know, he's on The New Girl. His halftime show. But people weren't like, oh yeah, well I listen to Prince for everyday advice. Yeah, that's true. You know, so did they kill him? My verdict is, no. I think it's bad luck and little hips and just, you know, trying to keep up with pain. Trying to keep up with pain as an old man. Trying to still, he's trying to still be 1999 Prince as a 57 year old man. Right, well... And it makes me sad because he was such a talented guy and I loved it. I loved every, you know, every little bit. And so Prince, wherever you are, good luck to you. If you're in Jehovah's Witness heaven, I hope you're having a great time. So I'm pouring out this little bit of naked grape Cabernet, <laughs> Cabernet Sauvignon that Wendy and I are enjoying boxed wine tonight to you, my brother. And I hope you have a good uh, wherever you are. And so this is a song that we actually learned right after Prince passed away. And we always play it in our acoustic show and it always hits. So we're going to play it today. Don't worry. I know Prince was a stickler about the rights. Uh-oh. So we paid for the Harry Fox Agency <laughs> sync rights to one of my favorite Prince songs, Delirious. Take me for a little ride up and down in and out around your lakes And I get to 
thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. Patreons, I'm excited to catch up with you because January went by so fast that our January hangout date just came and went. So we're having two of them in February. And the first of this two-part series, the first act in this two-act production, if you will, is going to be this Thursday, February 15th. The day after Valentine's Day. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> oh, so here's the thing. Also, if you are a new subscriber to the email list, Ooh. you get an invite to the uh, Hangout as well. Ooh. So anybody that subscribes to the email list this week, um, make it- sure you check your email because you get an invite <gasps> to the Hangout. And you can come and check it out, even without being a Patreon. Uh, but you'd be cooler if you were. Yes. And you just get that one chance. So anyway... <laughs> uh, just want to say, looking forward to hanging out with everybody this weekend. Dr. Ned, you're the best. And everybody else, we'll see you on the other side. Too hot in the hot tub. <laughs> <laughs>